Welcome back to Talking Dairy, where we dive into the most important topics on the minds of Kiwi dairy farmers. Well, summer's here and with it comes the risk of heat stress to our animals. So how does heat stress affect cows? What are some warning signs? And are there any quick or not so quick wins for farmers looking to make life more comfortable for their cows? Joining me today are Tom Buckley, who's the farm manager for Owl Farm in Cambridge, and DairyNZ's Jack McGowan, who's as passionate about this topic as anyone you're going to meet. Tom goes into detail today about the strategies they're using to combat heat stress at Owl Farm. Interestingly, many of the changes they've made have also had major benefits to their people. Tom covers things like troughs and races, milking routines, sprinklers, shade, real-time data, and what the results have been. Jack's here to talk more about the science behind heat stress, how it affects cows, the warning signs, what the current research is, and she's got some great tips for us. So let's get started. We're out here at Owl Farm in Cambridge, just south of Hamilton. Tom, do you want to tell us a bit about Owl Farm, what the purpose of this place is, and what your role is? So Owl Farm was set up in 2015 as a joint venture between St Peter's School here in Cambridge and Lincoln University. And we have five supporting partners, PGG Rights and Seeds, Dairy and Z, Balance, Farm Source and Westpac. And they help us make day-to-day decisions on a monthly basis. We meet up and you know, I tell them what I've been doing and what I plan to do. We host groups from five years old to rural professionals on farm, just talking about the data we collect on a daily basis. Where does the owl farm name come from? The owl is uh, part of the St. Peter's Crest and just symbolises you know, holder of knowledge and our tagline is providing knowledge. So we gather that data and we put it out through our website or Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, the information is warts and all. It's hard sometimes to admit to it, but we've had a lot of good wins over the, the last six years and been proud to be part of that story. It seems appropriate that we're talking about heat stress today because it's absolutely baking outside. <laughs> Jack, before we get into talking about the changes that these guys have made here, tell us why we're talking about heat stress on the podcast. What's the context? Why does this stuff matter? Heat stress is something that farmers tell us they care about. Nobody likes to see their cows uncomfortable. And with the summers getting warmer every year, it seems, and our cows also producing more, it's just going to be a challenge that gets a little bit harder to manage every year. But it's one of those challenges that's not always easy to solve. So today I really want to talk about options that farmers can pick up anyone from a farm assistant to the farm owner. So we've already been through some warm days this summer. It's heating up and it looks like we're into probably facing a pretty warm summer. How does a farmer know if it's hot enough for the cows to be suffering from heat stress? And um, how exactly are cows affected by the heat? Cows are comfortable at temperatures below 20 degrees, so that's a bit lower than us. Jersey cows are a little bit more comfortable, they're okay around 24 degrees. If you're rocking around in a t-shirt, then you can assume that it's probably a bit warm for your Frisian and crossbreed cows at least. So the first impact for cows is discomfort, just like us, when it's a bit hot, they feel blah. And they need to maintain their body temperature within a certain range, it's the same for us, but for cows that temperature they don't want to go over is 39.3 and once it goes over that we see impacts on the way their immune system works, their digestion, reproduction, all of that. What are the main signs to look for in cows that are suffering from heat stress? So the first thing they do is try and avoid getting hot. Uh, So that's things like we'll see them standing up more, 
less interested in grazing, spending more time around the trough. And the main way that cows lose heat is through breathing. So one of their first responses is increasing their breathing rate. Mm. So that's pretty easy for us to look at. It's the gold standard in research, actually. That's what we measure when we're doing heat stress research is their breathing rate. And you can go out and measure that with your eyeballs and a timer, which is probably in your back pocket. Okay. So we're going to hear about some practical changes from Tom soon. But are there any quick wins? What can farmers do to prevent heat stress? Quick wins are like looking at the shade that you've already got on farm because it takes 20 years to grow a tree. So look at what you've already got, whether it's artificial shade or not, and make the most of that. Another quick win is putting in a trough on your race that effectively increases the opportunity to drink for every cow. Even things like uh, looking at your milking frequency or the time of day you're milking, making sure that you bring the cows to the shed nice and slow, give them a chance to drink before they leave the paddock, wet the yard before you start milking. Do you think that for a lot of people when we talk about solving heat stress, it's about shade and water? It sounds like you're actually saying there are a lot more solutions than that. There are a lot more solutions than that. When the public look at our farms, of course they're looking for shade. But we know that you don't have to have just trees in the paddock. You can have shade elsewhere on farm. And yeah, drinking water is critical for managing heat stress and cooling down cows using sprinklers. That's actually more effective. An hour under the sprinklers is as effective as a few hours under shade. So it's mm. it's not to be sneezed at. Yeah, sure. What sort of management should farmers be considering during summer to look after the cows? I think a good starting point is understanding the risk of heat stress for your area and farmers can go on the Dairy NZ website and look up their region and see from December to February what's the average hours per day that are too hot and then have a look at what you're already doing and where the gaps might be. In the long term you might be thinking about increasing shade but in the short term you know it's those quick wins. Tell us about any research that's underway into heat stress. Is Dairy NZ or anybody else looking into this topic and for what purpose? Yep, so there's a big project between Dairy NZ, Ag Research and Fonterra looking at heat stress. And that has two parts. The first part is looking at how we use the weather to predict the risk of heat stress. A lot of our predictions at the moment rely on overseas research and Our cows are very lucky to spend more time outdoors and they spend more time walking. So the overseas predictions are, they're okay, but not ideal. So we're working on a better prediction there and Fonterra farmers will have already seen the early part of that in their insights report, which came out recently, which estimates the impact of heat stress on your milk production for your farm. The other part of that is figuring out how we can use data, weather data, to support farmers with decision making. So there's some farmers in a pilot at the moment who are receiving alerts that tell them which days and how many hours or which hours are going to be hot. And we'll look at how useful that is for them and decide what to do after that. Just lastly, if a farmer from Southland is listening to this conversation thinking this is irrelevant to me... (laughs) Well, what would you say to them? Does it even get hot enough down there? Yeah, obviously not as hot. If you go on our website, you'll see that for farms in Southland, the annual impact is estimated to be between one and two kilograms of milk solids per cow. Between December and February, that's one or two hours a day that are hot enough to affect milk production and four or five hours a day that are hot enough to be uncomfortable for the cow. 
But of course, that's not every single day that many hours. You know, the weather does change from day to day. So some days might be eight hours that are too warm and other days, no hours at all. Hey, so Tom, tell us, when did you start making changes out here to combat heat stress and what prompted that change? Really, it's been over the last three summers. We've experienced hot weather, really dry summers for the last few years. Seeing signs of the cows stressing a little bit from the end of October. Those young cows, they're seeking shade early in the morning because they know the big bossy ones, they're going to push them out from underneath that tree. So they're cooling off as early as possible. Having Jack out last year, we learned a huge amount of the cow's activity. Yeah, so that was the next question I was going to ask you is how early in the year you notice heat stress becoming an issue. So you're saying October. Yeah, definitely. We're making plans and we're looking at the weather forecast and making a plan on where the cows are going to go. And if we can, we'll offer them shade. So you're saying you've been here for six years. So have you noticed it becoming more of a problem? Is it more of a problem now, the heat, compared to when you started here? I think the summers have got hotter, but I think we're more aware of what we can do to reduce the stress, but also the financial impact of the stress on the cows. A couple of years ago, you were milking 4.30am and 1pm and putting the cows back on the yard with the sprinklers for an hour before that 1pm milking. What's your milking routine now over the summer? I've tried all different types of routines over my 12-year career in New Zealand and the last few years at our farm we've been using three and two. It's worked really well as um, humans and the, and the cows as well. You know, we've, we're seeing the benefits for both. What prompted you to shift to three and two out of interest? When we went once a day, we did see that production loss over summer. And, you know, we've got pretty high performing cows off a fairly simple system. And we felt that that three and two was kind of that in between twice a day and once a day. So it's worked really well. What does that look like across the week? What are those timings for three and two? So we milk uh, 5 a.m., 6 p.m. and 11 a.m. the following day. Okay. Do you change the timing of when you do things, like when cows are shifted on or off crops or when staff do various jobs? Obviously, we try and avoid working in the heat of the day. We try and plan ahead. Next week, we're going to be cleaning troughs. Next week's weather looks reasonably cool, so we can get some good days of work done. And then um, the following week, we're getting close to Christmas, so we can enjoy our time and not be working so hard. But that big job's done. But also moving cows if they're on a daytime walk, we we'll try and keep that walk as, as short as possible. It's a little bit harder getting up on long walks early in the morning. Yeah. But, you know, myself and myself, we really appreciate it. I'm sure the cows do as well, not having to walk from the far end of the farm in the afternoon. How many staff do you have out here? So I've got myself and two others. Yeah. And your herd size? About 410. Two herds. Last summer, I understand that you worked out how much water the sprinklers on the yard were using. What prompted that and how do you use your sprinklers now as a result? So at the moment, we're not, not using the sprinklers on the cows, but we are cooling the shed down by just wetting all the surfaces, but also wetting down the yard and just the evaporation of that water helps cool the concrete. It's not hot, white concrete. As the cows walk on, we have issues with because we'll do all AI with the paint falling off a bit rapidly with the sprinklers. So we find other ways for the next 10 days until we finish mating just to try and keep the cows cool we haven't had those really hot days yet but we do have some coming now so we may have to use sprinklers on those cows so is this a system that you've been sort of tweaking and evolving as you've figured out what works best definitely yeah every year we find a new problem to try and solve 
and yeah we can't just throw money at it so we're trying different ways of doing things and certainly yeah thinking about the timing of when you wet down the yard how soon before you bring the cows in is that usually there's someone there to um, start milking and somebody's fetching the cows even though we're just a one-person shed so yeah that person that's starting the milking can wet down in sort of 20 minutes before and they can keep the yard wet the other thing to think about is we're having to pay for that water so we don't want to waste it so that really prompted me to measure how much we were using it's costing us about 13 cents a minute to run the two sprinklers on the yard so that times two milkings a day or it all adds up and then you've got to pump out that effluent as well so it's costly so we are early december now so you're saying that in about 10 days you will start using the sprinklers on the yard yeah yeah for the last couple of years the temperatures have risen but it's also the nighttime temperatures we're still cool enough overnight that the cows are having an opportunity to cool down. So the cows are cooler, so we're not pushed to use those sprinklers just yet. And I understand that you have some real-time data um, that helps with your management of heat stress. Where do you get that data from, and how does it influence your decisions during the day? We've got a halo uh, weather station, which is measuring temperature and humidity. And yeah, on the DairyNZ website, you can access the THI but also we're getting text alert to say what the period for the following day of heat stress could be. So this morning was from 9am till 7pm, so really hot day. So you know, I made plans for today, yesterday, on where the cows were going to go. So they had plenty of shade, they're on a short walk, they've got plenty of access to water. But also we're getting a, an email for the coming seven days, and it's yeah, sent every couple of days. So we're you know, constantly getting information on planning what we're doing on farm, but also what we can do with the cows. That's cool. Again, looking at information that you're receiving with the use of water meters, do you notice that the cows' water intake increases? I mean, it's probably a pretty obvious question, but what sort of changes are you you noticing? Definitely the grass is drying out as well as the temperature going up, and we're um, up to about 100, 120 litres of cow at the moment, and last year we saw as high as 150, so they're really sucking down the water, but we want to supply as much water as possible, keep them cool, but also help keep them milking. How does that intake compare to, say, a cool day? I haven't really looked what they're drinking on a, a cool day, but probably down to about 70, 80 litres. So the first point of check is the dosatron and how quickly that's emptied. And then we can actually go back and check on the halo water meter and just see what volumes are being used and when, because we could also have a water leak, which reduces our pressure and water supply to the cows. So we need to be onto it by now. One of the things you've done is put troughs in your races. Tell us more about that. What was the motivation behind it? What's the impact on cow flow? And what have you observed overall in the animal's well-being? Just having free access to water is a big thing for me. Cows have got access to it to and from the shed. don't think it has affected cow flow. As Jack said, we allow the cows to have a drink if we're following them in. We don't have them right at the yard, so we're not getting that congregation causing an issue with cow flow but when we first put them in we put a GoPro up and quite a lot of the cows were just stopping and having a good drink and then carrying on that in itself helps with the demand on the trough when they get to the paddock they're not arriving in a mob of 10 and all being thirsty that definitely helps and there'll be lots of farms out there with older water systems that are designed for less cows and we've got parts of our farm that are still on 20 mil lines this has definitely helped it's a future program to just upgrade water lines as we go. Do you have any triggers for taking action such as the temperature outside or cow behaviour? Is there anything you're looking at apart from the data which might trigger you to to make some changes? 
yeah, I think we all know when we wake up in the morning how hot it's going to be based on what it was like yesterday. But, you know, just driving down the race, you can see early in the morning the cows sitting down in the cool, just trying to cool off as much as they can because they know themselves how hot it's going to be that day. Later on during the day, you've got cows under trees. So we'll, we'll go out there and just make sure they've got plenty of water in the paddock. They've got access to shade. Last year, we actually opened up some gates and fenced off underneath trees so they could go into the neighbouring paddocks and have a larger proportion of the herd have access to shade. But as Jack said, yeah, monitoring breathing rates and making sure that cows aren't panting and drooling, those are key signs of severe stress. So if that was happening, then we would use the sprinklers. And maybe what we've done in the past is draft the cows back onto the yard again and left them under the sprinkler until the end of milking. That actually made them walk away from the shed. So, yeah, we weren't getting frustrating as milkers, you know, these cows not walking away from the paddock, but drafting them onto the yard and, and wetting them down for another 30, 40 minutes made a huge difference. You open the gate, a bit of competitive walking, and away they went. So, um. How does the rest of the team feel about this? Has it been any extra work for them? And also, it sounds like you were saying, it's obviously there's been benefits to you guys as well, but the team, they on board with, with all these changes? Yeah, absolutely. The girls love the cows and they want to see the cows comfortable. But as I said before, they would rather get up half an hour earlier in the morning and um, walk in the cool of the morning than uh, sitting out in hot afternoon. But it also takes longer in the afternoon if it's hot. So it's probably an extra 45 minutes sat in the heat. So they want to see the cows happy. So How difficult has it been to make these changes or easy? As I said before, we see these problems and we can't just attack all of them in one go. Putting the troughs on the race, that was quite easy, but you look at a water line and you don't really notice, oh, that's right next to the race. Easy to tap into, good position to put a trough. The difference it's made is, is huge. And the sprinklers on the yard, we just ran some alphatine through the roof of the shed and tapped it onto the washdown pump. It's a little bit noisy during milking, but again, you want to have these cows happy and little things have made a huge difference. Are there any changes that you've noticed that we haven't already talked about? Changing the milking routine has reduced the drop-off, the post-peak decline. Usually you hit December and it starts getting hot. You just accept that the cows are dropping, but you know, milk's worth so much. We want to keep the cows producing as much as we can because we're heavily invested in them. And if we get rain in March, but they're already doing a kilo, it's hard to get them to produce any more than that. So let's talk specifically about planting and trees. What's been your plan for that and, and what's your plan going forward? So obviously on the farm, we've got some mature trees, which is great to have, a bit of biodiversity, but obviously offering shade to the cows. But we've actually gone out and made a planting plan for this coming autumn. So we're going to put in just over 100 trees, long-term plan, but we've uh, mixed up the species. So we've got some poplars that are going to grow a lot faster. In the future, we'll be able to cut those out and let the oaks and plant trees fill in the gaps. How did you come up with that plan? Like... How do you sit down and work out what trees we're going to put in and where? I mean, you could maybe just use common sense, but I presume that there's some best practice around that. Uh, so we actually went out and got some help from Wildlands. They came in and analysed what we had on farm and what would work. They've also helped with drain plantings and just biodiversity planting as well. So they offer the whole job, really. Hey, Tom, just to finish up, what's one piece of advice you'd offer to anybody listening to this who's wanting to do something to combat heat stress? I don't think I could pick on one, but you know, offer plenty of water. If you can spend some time out in the paddock and watch that breathing rate, it's really easy to notice whether these cows are breathing heavier. 65 breaths per minute is, the, is your target. 
really good video on alfarm.nz or on DairyNZ website and also offering plenty of water is key. Fantastic. Hey, so good to have a chat with you guys. Jack, is there anything else you wanted to, after listening to Tom, any, any thoughts that, that you had? Just so impressed with the work that our farm puts in and how much they share with the rest of us to learn from and just echoing what Tom's talked about, like making incremental changes and thinking about breathing rate and water, simple stuff. Was there anything specific on the DairyNZ website that you can point farmers to that's useful for them on this topic? Yep, so there is a just pointers for the kinds of things that are options for managing heat stress. So I think there's six on there, like water and shade and even milking efficiency, so making sure they're not spending a lot of time in the shed. Um, there's how to check breathing rate. It's pretty simple. There's only three steps. You watch the cow breathing for 10 seconds. You count how many breaths, and if it's more than 10, then she's hot enough to affect milk production. So you can check that on there. There's a table with the risk of heat stress for every region. And right at the bottom, there's a little bit more information about why cows feel hot sooner than we do. For people that have been pregnant or lactated, they'll already know. (laughs) But yeah, there's a bit of an explainer there as well. Brilliant. Thanks so much to both of you for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Dairy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, go to dairynz.co.nz forward slash podcast or find us on your favourite podcast platforms.